morning, everybody. Crappy Mondays. And welcome to the News Agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by the Mirror's Assistant Editor, Jason Beattie. Morning, Jason. Morning, Susie. How are you today? Fine, thank you very much. Cooled down slightly. Uh, now, this is People's Pay-Per-View, so get into the comments, ask us your questions. We'll do our best to answer them for you. And um, Those of you listening later on podcast will just have to let your spy masters know where to find us, won't you? So what have we got for you today? Well, the mirror has splashed on a shocking photograph of what is thought to be an American XL bully type dog chasing a man down the street, having already attacked and bitten a young girl. Now, three people were hurt in this incident in Bordesley Green in Birmingham at the weekend. And now, finally, the Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, has said, we can't go on like this. Jason, is she finally right about something? <laughs> Yeah, in, in the same way, you know, eventually, because if you, you have enough monkeys, you can get Shakespeare typing, uh, you know. <laughs> you know, this is, I mean, the, the problem here, Susie, is, um, well, multifold. But mirror has been campaigning on this for, 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 for several years now. Um, we realised there was a problem uh, because the number of people being attacked by dogs is rising year on year. The number of people being killed, particularly young children, um, there's been kind of 18 in the last 24 months, if not more, I can't remember the exact figure off the top of my head, uh, has been rising as well. And, and, and what was kind of angering us so much at the mirror was these deaths, these maulings, these attacks were taking place um, in areas which, if they'd happened in Surrey, and yeah. it'd been a picturesque, cute-looking white girl from a privileged background who'd been killed, they would have acted by now. Mm. But they were taking place on estates in 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 South Wales, in 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 Merseyside, and elsewhere. And the Tories just didn't seem to care. And we were getting going. Why? What? What's you know? Why? This is a, a, a serious problem. It's, it's you know, children were dying and getting, and if they didn't die, they were getting kind of life-changing injuries and scars. Really horrific pictures I've seen in, in, in the newspaper conference, which we can't print because they're so horrible to look at, of, of victims of dog attacks. And we kept on saying again and again, look, why aren't you going to do anything about this? Because it, it's it, it, you know, something has to be done. You can't just allow innocent children to be to be killed more and disfigured like this. Nothing. Silence. And finally, there's a video which appears in Bordesley Green and Birmingham of this possibly XL-type bully. We'll come on to the, the problem of weeds in a minute. Mm. And the Home Secretary has woken up to it. But Here's the thing, it's actually not the Home Secretary's responsibility, it's part of the environment's responsibility, which has oversight of, and we haven't heard anything from them yet. So, um, let's see. <laughs> um, and I, the, 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 for those of you listening on podcast, we're just having a watch of this video that's come out. And we sort of start with, uh, in a, gosh, crikey, no wonder that's pixelated. We sort yeah. of start with, um, a, in a crowded sort of area of market stores, someone being pinned to the ground. That was the young girl who was 12 years old um, uh, by this dog. Now, apparently she'd been running down the street as children are wont to do. And the dog's sort of natural instincts perhaps had kicked in a bit and it wasn't under the right kind of control. It launched itself at her and it seemed to have pinned her to the ground. 
Then people started intervening um, and someone lay on top of the dog as it was mauling her. That knocked it off and it enabled her. We saw very briefly there for her to get up and run away. She ran screaming into a shop and got some help. Now, of course, the dog then turned its attentions to the people that had intervened. And one young man has sprinted down the road, round the corner, across another road and into a garage forecourt. And the dog has pursued it the whole way. And then he stood by the petrol pumps. And although it's pixelated, it's quite clear the dog has launched himself at this young man and is savaging him as much as it possibly can. Other people then get involved. Someone turns up with an iron bar, doesn't know quite what to do with it, but obviously, you know, is waving it around. And eventually that the video comes to an end. I mean, the whole thing is really, really shocking if you sit and watch that through. And the thought of what it's actually like without the pixels, the pixelation is... Um, is sort of horrifying. But, you know, Suella Bravman has finally said, we're going to do something about it. But the trouble is, I mean, Suella Bravman just backing a mirror campaign is probably worth the front page in itself. But the trouble is that just last month, the government announced it had zero plans to ban these dogs or to change the law. Now, get into the questions, everybody, and tell us what you think about this. Last month in the House of Lords, the Environment Minister, Lord Bennion, said he needs to rely on the Dangerous Dogs Act and existing legislation. And he added, we are working in partnership with the police, local authorities and animal welfare organisations to ensure that the full range of existing dog control powers are effectively applied and encourage responsible dog ownership and reduce the risk of dog attacks. We currently have no plans to add additional breed types to the banned breed list. Now, here we've got a Home Secretary coming out going, we're going to do something about this. And actually, a couple of months previous, you know, there are ministers going, we're going to do something, we've got to do something. It's, it's really serious. But they're saying stuff. And if you search Suella Bravman and Dangerous Dogs today, Google is full of how she's going to ban them. But the government, when it actually has to write something down, says, no, we're not going to do it. Is this the kind of policy, Jason, you know, the kind that the public would back? But is this like a lot of Suella's sort of announcements? It's lots of talking and not very much doing, maybe? Well, I, I, I'm, I'm going to... Mamua's main campaign demand is an overhaul of the Dangerous Dogs Act. Um, we also want tougher penalties on, 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 on owners and breeders who... Breeders is a particular problem. Um, but, but we've got evidence that, that, you know, these are unlicensed breeders... Uh, some uh, with links to organised crime, mm. um, and they are deliberately producing the, these these dogs, which are kind of status symbols. Um, that is the easiest bit to crack down on, but 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 the harder bit is is the is actually the kind of what you classify as a dangerous dog, um, and this is where everything has got snarled up in because you've got lots of crossbreeds. So you can prescribe XL bullies now, but these are interbred. A lot of these dogs are interbred with other breeds, which are also vicious and nasty. Um, and, and how you create a law which captures all those crossbreeds is incredibly difficult. Exactly. And I think most dog owners would probably say, let us know what you think, everybody, because everyone's got an opinion about this. Mm. Most dog owners would probably say, it's not the breed usually that's the issue because we can all think of jack russells that are an absolute monstrosity mm. and we can all think of you know st bernard's that are as soft as anything it's it's the way that dog has been treated that makes it dangerous necessarily and if 
is also, like you say, the kind of people that are breeding these animals, that are selling these animals, that are buying these animals, are the ones who want vicious dogs. And so they're making that dog vicious during the, the breeding process or during the, the puppyhood or yeah. something to, to make them like this. But then, of course, you combine that with an animal that is naturally is bred for size and power and jaw strength mm -hmm. and stuff. That's a terrible combination. Um, but you can't you can't really legislate for people to treat their dogs. Well, we do legislate people to treat their dogs nicely. And it doesn't work, does it? I mean, what could we effectively do about that? Well, I, I mean, I think I think the, the the breeding is the first place to start. So you 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 actually bring in some sort of system for licensed breeding. I think it's the only way to do this. Yeah? So when people buy a dog, they know where it's come from. It's come from a reptile. That also actually helps in terms of animal welfare. Mm. But the penalties for having a, an out of control dog, um, I just don't think are strict severe enough. I mean, they've got to tighten those up and toughen those up. Um, and and then there has to be. I mean, this is a difficult bit, and I do get both sides of the argument, Susie. But there is a massive difference between a being kind of nipped at by a chihuahua and being attacked by an XL bully. And however much people argue, and I do get this, it's the owner's responsibility and not the breed of a dog. There is still a difference. Yeah, yeah. there's one, a sheer quantity one, of power and weight and yeah. force and everything. Yeah, and. I, I kind of they need to find a way of framing the law which, which takes that into account um, because at the moment these things are are out of control and they are costing people their lives and they're costing young children their lives and yes. it can't be beyond the wit of our elected representatives to find a way of framing the law which prevents this from happening. And what do you think, everybody? Do you think this is only going to be an issue for the government when and if someone in a leafy Surrey street gets savaged? Um, you know, some breeds are inherently dangerous, says Andy. They are. Um, yes, they're more dangerous than others, but some of them can be very big and very aggressive breeds. I mean, I can remember a few years ago, um, like 20 years ago, probably huge panics about staffies and bull terriers and things like that. And if they are well looked after, they're incredibly loyal family dogs. They've got enormous jaw strength and they need something to chew. But, you know, some of them can be dangerous if they are looked after badly. Um, and it's it's we've seen that so many times in our courts as well. When people are coming up for causing a death somehow or another by having a dangerous dog. And that isn't really a crime at the moment, but causing a death in some way. Um, it's because the, the animal has been horrifically mistreated all the way through. And the Dangerous Dogs Act at the moment is such an appalling bit of legislation, Jason, that um, it was it, it is possible for the police to destroy an animal just for looking a bit like a certain type of banned breed. And like you say, that's just not effective. Even if a dog is perfectly well behaved and they've just seized it because they've arrested the owner for something else, they can destroy an animal that just looks a bit funny. And that's not really justice, never mind, not really cricket. Um, so there's got to be some solutions for that, but I don't think they're really bending their mind to it. Have Labour said anything about what they would do if they were in power? Well, I, I disappointingly, I, I kind of, you know, we, we would have liked Labour to actually have kind of, you know, have moved quick, more quickly on this. I, I, I thought they might have got the kind of the, the kind of the social consequences angle. Um, mm -hmm. uh, um, so we, 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 we've had kind of, kind of, encouraging words but no more than that from Labour they, they it's not something they, they they've seized um and we'll, we'll keep the pressure up on them on this I, I'm slightly disappointed by them
Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it, that they um, perhaps don't want to commit ahead of actually being in government or writing a manifesto, but then how late are you going to leave it, lads? (laughs) At some point, you're going to have to start laying it out and just let the Tories nick some of it, but try and take ownership of it and say it was yours to start with. Now, let us know what you think, everybody. What do you think about the banning of dangerous dogs? What do you think about this horrific attack on that poor girl uh, and those men that intervened to save her? And it really shouldn't be down to members of the public to have to intervene. But then again, it's Borsley Green in Birmingham. It's not Chelsea, is it? Uh, now, I'm going to move on to the main story of the day, which is yet another spy scandal in Parliament. Now, this time, a researcher who seems to have worked with or for or alongside a number of MPs with foreign policy interests has been arrested on suspicion of spying for Beijing. Now, Jason, can you take us through this? What do we actually know so far? Is it any more than that? Well, we, we, we know that... Two people have been arrested <laughs> uh, um, for, for allegedly um, spying on behalf of a Chinese state. Um, we know that, that one of them uh, was working for this group of Tory MPs called the Chinese Research Group in exactly what capacity he was working for. It's not clear. But he got very close to um, the security minister, Tom Trudenhat. Um, Trudenhat insists this was, um, he hasn't had any contact with him since he became security minister. And to, to Alice Kearns, who's, who, who replaced Trudenhat as the, as the chair of the Foreign Affairs Committee. Slightly embarrassing. Both of those were actually quite hawkish on China as well. Mm. Which, um, uh, to, to be what, in terms of they, the, the, the they were doing in terms of the spying we don't know at all i'm afraid um no i mean we tend to think in this country don't we? i think i don't know if it's fed by the media or just generally mm. the public's apathy but we tend to think these sort of research groups and um little groups of mps talking about one particular thing in a corner somewhere is just mm. an excuse for jollies or or something and it really doesn't it's not exactly the heart of, of beating government um but that seems to be somewhere that obviously, if if these allegations have got anything to them, that someone has felt there is a risk. Yeah. Of, of I, this is incredibly, um, well, it's slightly embarrassing for the Conservatives for a start. Um, it, it, it's difficult for, 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 for Sunak. Um, the Foreign Secretary James Cleveland has come back from a visit to, to China. Um, they don't quite know how to play this. Um, do they kind of kind of some of the more hawkish members of the Tory party are saying we should cut all ties to China completely, um, forgetting it's, you know, the kind of uh, the, the second biggest economy in the world and a producer of an awful lot of products, um, including TikTok, by the way, which video we just saw for the, in the Dangerous Dogs, yeah. um, which uh, uh, we, we, we use and consume in Britain. Um, so, you know, how far do we, we kind of, um, do we kind of, kind of, withdraw from all cooperation or of, of trading links etc with, 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 with a, a, a superpower um, and how much do we we have some sort of relationship and dialogue I mean, I mean government just doesn't seem to know which way to play it um, but, uh, but under a lot of flack from from their own right of the party as I said but they've also you know they've got the the, the kind of wider geopolitical question of, of, of you know who are our friends and allies in this post-Brexit world I mean this is a quite interesting bit. You know, they, they, they went very heavily on how, how Sunak at the G20 summit in, in New Delhi, you know, kind of confronted was the word that, which was briefed out, his, his, the Chinese premier, Li Zheng, um, about, you know, the 
unacceptable interference in British democracy. You know, this is this is little Rishi standing tough on the world stage. Um, I may you may get the impression, but actually, you know, this is kind of being how can I put this politely inflated <laughs> to to disguise the fact that that one it's slightly embarrassing that we we allow these kind of alleged spies in our midst in the first place, and two that that actually this G20 summit didn't go very well for Sunak. He was slightly sidelined. Yes, um, um, it was. It wasn't all particularly brilliant. Uh, never mind, mm. there wasn't an awful lot of headlines back home. But I mean, there's mm. not an awful lot to say at the end of it. Now, um, get into the comments, everybody. What do you think about Chinese spies in the heart of Westminster? Do you think it matters if someone's talking to Tom Tugendhat about his opinion? He's busy telling everybody else. Uh, Mike says, I'm sure there was an aide who was suspected Chinese spy months ago. Is it the same one or is it another? Who knows, Mike? <laughs> because I can recall, right, it must have been 20, 10, 20 years ago now, a Lib Dem MP getting, um, uh, having troubles because of getting sidled up to by some beautiful Russian young lady. Uh, and I can't remember her name now, but she got she got a nickname, didn't she? The Scarlet or the Red Under the Bed or something like that. I'm so a, sad. See, I can remember the name of the MP, which was, which, Mike, which was Mike Hancock down in Portsmouth. I can't remember her name. There you go. Well, she's a, she's a famous celebrity in Russia now. She went back home and Putin sort of gave her the Medal of Honour or whatever. Um, but this does seem to be something that happens with alarming regularity in Parliament, mm. really. Why, why is that, Jason? Why are they not capable of working out that if someone wants to come up to them and says, oh, I've done some work in China, why don't I help do your research for you? Why, why don't they compute that maybe, maybe it's not all above board? Yeah, I, I mean, there are questions to be asked about the, the, the vetting service for parliamentary passes. Um, it, I mean, it's, it's you know, the, the MPs can kind of, you know, nominate people to have passes. It can be anything from, a, I noticed the other day, from, from your chauffeur, if you're a particularly rich peer, to, to, to you know, somebody to, to run your office, to, to being a, a humble researcher. So mm. it, that seems kind of a little bit lax to me. Um, they're meant to be properly vetted. I know when I apply for a pass, it's it, you have to give them an awful lot of details and they take a long time going through it. Mm. Um, but that's that's one area. There's, there's, so there's, then there's this kind of, you know, is it is this the system actually working that, you know, our, our, we have uncovered these people and that's actually a good thing? Um, or are there a lot more out there we don't know about? <laughs> yeah, and there's also it's the fact that when you start out, perhaps one of the, one of these sort of researchers on the sidelines mm. of things, talking to the all-party parliamentary group on roundabouts mm. or whatever, mm. that you get alongside somebody, that you start impressing them with your knowledge, and then if that person later on becomes a minister, suddenly you're a special advisor. Suddenly you have security clearance. Suddenly you have, you know, a lot more access than you might have done at the start, which is perhaps where some of the allegations seem to focus at the moment. Now, when the Prime Minister was tackled about this on the plane on the way back from the G20, because there was nothing else to ask him about. <laughs> um, and so and he, he, he'd said that he had expressed concerns to the Chinese delegation when he met them. He said, and I quote, there is no point carping from the sidelines. I'd rather be in there directly expressing my concerns. And that's what I did. They'll be quaking in their boots, won't they, Jason? Yes, I think they kind of, you know... Being told, off by, being told off by Rishi, you know, that's kind of like... <laughs> I'm expressing, I know he's a very, you know, polite, spreadsheet <laughs> kind of man, but I mean, if, if, yeah. you're, if your spin doctor's putting out that you confronted them, then say yeah. that you've confronted them. 
Don't say mm-hmm. I expressed some mild concerns and then we just moved on to talk about the, the, the other stuff. Come on. That's not the way to do it. And what yeah. do you think, everybody? What should we should do about this? What should Parliament do about this? Obviously, they need a lot more tougher security than they've got at the moment. But does it matter? It's surely, surely Britain has spies in China. Surely. Yeah. Unless we've cut those back as well. Um, we must be doing the same thing elsewhere, one would have thought. Now, so far, nobody's been arrested or charged. All we know at the moment is one possible name which has been reported by the times uh, and uh, two men one in his 20s one in his 30s have been arrested under the official secrets act uh, earlier this year might have been a few months ago it might be one that mike was referring to earlier now there's some suggestion also that he was trying to date political journalists on the westminster scene now jason when you worked in the lobby were you hmm. a, you were a, a target for honey traps do you think were you aware of this sort of thing happening sadly not susie <laughs> Mike Hancock got all the business, did he? Yeah, they, yeah. I can't recall. And I mean, you know, maybe somebody did, and I was too, too, too ignorant or too kind of unworldly to realise. Well, I think perhaps part of the problem is that you know, political <laughs> journalists, you're used to people schmoozing up to you and mm. trying to tell you something that makes them look good and the other guy look bad. And it's mm. everyone is in it for a reason, aren't they? Usually yeah. in Westminster, and if someone comes along and starts talking about something and they don't appear to be in it for a reason, you go, Oh, my oh, friend. <laughs> Have you ever met a spy, Susie? Not that I'm aware of. Hmm. I do know there has long been rumors that there's supposed to be one in every newsroom, and uh, I didn't know who it was supposed to be when I was at the mail, and I've never, I've never really had any evidence that it was him, but hmm. I've always kept his mind at the back of his name at the back of my head. Yeah, I, I got invited to a, a briefing with somebody from MI6. Ooh! And, a couple of, and just to, so I went along and talked to this guy, and he was very pleasant and very charming. And yeah. uh, and he said, you know, he gave me his number, and he said, you know, if you've got any questions and you want to ask me, you know, just on, on background, please do. And I went, oh, that's very nice. And I went away again. And, you know, I can't remember his name. <laughs> And that's what the skill of being a spy was. I suddenly realised that they're kind of both there and anonymous at the same time. It was very impressive. That's what they always say every time there's a new Bond film comes out. A real spy is not the person who walks in the room in a dinner jacket and does this. It's someone who is totally forgettable. You do not know who they are and they don't stand out from a crowd in any way, shape or form. I I, I suddenly realised that, that, you know, and I, I scroll through my list of contacts sometimes trying to find it and I, it just doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> no name. Such a good job. But I... <laughs> John Boring, his name. Why was he inviting you to a briefing? How did that happen? What was it about? I mean, just Can't say. I, I work for the Mirror. I may be of use, I suppose, but obviously I'm not because I can't remember my name. Yeah. Well, sometimes then you do think, you know, if you're going to a particular country or a particular hotspot or you're speaking to someone in particular in another government that maybe... People are going to take an interest. Uh, no one's around me yet. But uh, anyway, maybe I'm not boring enough um, to be, be of interest to them. Uh, now, so we'll have to see, won't we, what uh, what Rishi Sunak's going to do about all this. But of course, in the meantime, he does seem to have invited China to, or someone has, he's let them be invited to an AI summit. And seeing as China uses AI to oppress its people, um, inviting them to Britain to talk about how they do AI even better is... Um, hmm bit suspect so he's going to have a row about that and that's probably going to build this week there's going to be more stuff about the spy and there's going to be more stuff about the the official government reaction to this kind of stuff 
And we said, I think it was last week or the week before, I think Rack was a story on on an inside page in the paper. And I said on Monday, that is going to be the big story by the end of the week. And look what happened. Schools were shut by the end of the week. I I think that is the the biggest problem for the Tories. This kind of, you know, the the spies in the heart of Westminster. It, 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 It feeds into this narrative of kind of everything on this government's watch is going wrong. Yeah, you know, they, we've got, we've got you know terrorist suspects walking out of prisons. We've we've got schools literally crumbling before our eyes, um, and, and now we've got you know we've got we've got infiltrators at the heart of our democratic system. And I, it, it's this kind of culmination of stories, which it, it's just you go, this government is now fated. It, you know, even if it did something well or. Mm. It still managed to come out with a kind of negative headline. Yeah, this perception, which is kind of now so kind of hardwired into 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 the national narrative. Well, I'll give you an example. Mm. Um, on the road between my house and the school, there is a drain cover, and there was a massive pothole there, right next to the drain, and it was a killer because you went in the pothole and then smacked to the edge of the drain, mm. um, and it was there for ages and ages. Got bigger and bigger. Some do-gooder came out and put a traffic cone in it so people started going around it rather than ripping their tyres off but two or three cars would get done every day and they came along and they patched it and you know what kind of state that's in now it's back the pothole's back because they just they just doesn't you need rod stewart to help you out well rod stewart wasn't available he doesn't live in (laughs) i think he's sorry but um it's just got worse again so even when they do spend money to try and fix something they're fixing it so badly the, the mm. problem just continues and it returns. What you need to do is resurface the poxy road and put a flipping curb in down there. Anyway, if you're listening, Kent County Council. There you go. Um, right. Thank you for that, Jason. We are going to move on to some good news. But first off, if we can just bring back, um, if the backstage person can just bring up that picture of the Prime Minister's story again, because there is a fantastic picture above the issue of Rishi Sunak not dealing with the Chinese issue. They've got a photograph of our prime minister worshipping in a non-Christian temple and it's page 15. It doesn't matter. Right. It's a nice picture. And that's it. And I don't think you'd have quite the same treatment if it was a Muslim piece of worship. But as it is, a Hindu prime minister in a Hindu temple and he's representing Britain. No one minds. Nobody minds. And I think that's quite marvellous. One good thing that seems to have come out of G20 anyway. Anyway, uh, we do need to move on to uh, some good news. We have found some in the world. Here it is. Now, with climate change threatening us all, it's good to know that there are academics cooperating internationally across borders to ensure there is still life for us to enjoy on the other side if we are spared. And one team of experts uh, from Canada, the US and Peru have decided to devote these resources to creating a super potato. It will be resistant to drought, pests and frost, which otherwise might mean no more fries for us while we're getting fried. Jason, is this proof, do you think, that whatever the climate might do to us, we still haven't had our chips? This is, this is um, one, it's kind of a wonderful bit of science, and two, it's a kind of slightly kind of like indicative of problems faced by the climate crisis. Yeah. Yeah. We can produce a super potato, but uh, it would be amazing. Have you ever heard of a guy called Norman Borlach? No. Norman Borlach. Norman Borlach is probably person responsible for saving more lives on this planet than anybody else and nobody's ever heard of him he was an american scientist who who first realized you 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 
you could kind of cross kind of um, various types of wheat together to make them more resistant to, 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 to drought and to uh, waterlog and other environmental damages. So he created a strain of, of what you, instead of a super potato, it's a super wheat. Um, this was like in the 1950s. All right. Um, um, as a result, wheat is, is much stronger and more weather resistant, and therefore we have more grain, which means we'll have more bread, which means more people. Die. He, they reckon he may have saved a billion lives as a result of this. That's it's not bad. And nobody's heard of him. No, no <laughs> so, one's also heard of the man who's killed the most people on the planet. Who do you think that is? Oh, God. The biggest killer on the planet. Go on, put me out of my misery. His name was Thomas Midgley Jr. And he yeah. was an American scientist who, A, put lead in petrol, and mm. B, invented the CFC, which Lying. creates the greenhouse effect. Mm. Quite an achievement uh, in, in one career to do, mm. to do two such amazingly yeah. deadly things. Um, but uh, Thomas Misley Jr. and Norman Borlach, there you go, two completely uh, unheralded examples of what humans can do when they put their minds to it so i was reading about this super potato and thinking yep if they can do it it's great but you know there's always a sting in my tail yeah they will there will be lots of complaints about gm crops and frankenstein food mm, exactly <laughs> and, so what they're doing so, uh, what they're doing everybody is they're gonna they're taking the existing 60 60 different species of spud and they're going to put them together to find the one that is resistant to everything and will, will yeah. actually still be able to feed us on the other side if you know they've scorched the skies will it taste nice what's your favorite type of potato favorite type of potato the one that's in my face <laughs> and that's it pretty much yeah. if I had to choose one but um i think i think a jacket potato with my homemade garlic butter on is pretty well, that sounds nice and do you like chunky chips or thin chips Oh, both. Who doesn't? How can you choose? Just needs mayonnaise. That's the thing. Mayonnaise. Otherwise, there's no point. Um, but please, lads, if, uh, if anyone from the scientific community who's involved in this project is watching, can you also find a potato that peels itself, comes with integral salt and has zero calories? And then we will actually there's there's a point to surviving climate change if you have that kind of chip on the other side. Mm. Whether it's a wedgie or whether it's a skinny fry, I don't care. Just have one that peels itself, please. Um, right. Thank you, everybody, for taking part. Thank you, Jason, for explaining all that to us. Thank you, China, for giving us something to talk to Rishi Sunak about because there's nothing else. Keep listening, Susie. Sorry. Yeah, keep listening, lads. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll still be here next Wednesday for another edition. Next Wednesday, sorry, for another mm -hmm. edition of the News Agenda. Till then, everybody. Tatty bye.